This is the one with gun runners running with guns. Standing really close to each other in a private lift. And the mouth of a prattling jackanapes. It's called The Caves of Androzani. Here we Here go. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalen Ood, and the Cybertronic race. Antarans look like taters, and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS, we're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? Well, hello, beautiful people of podcast land. Thank you for joining us once again for a marvellous, splendid, I don't know, joyful time that we are going to give to you for another Who Back When <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> I've ruined it so you can't <laughs> or, do it. Or dog podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feels like a while since I've introed this and I've cocked it up. Oops. <laughs> Love it, love it. We can re- re-record yeah, yeah. it if you want to, or we can just keep it no, totally organic. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. Come on, let's face it. We're pros here. Uh, first take Okay, only. organic it is. <laughs> Wall-to-wall organs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's special, this recording, so uh, we mm. should do a slightly different intro, because holy moly, the last Davison serial, The Caves of Androzani. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Who the heck fire are you oh me ah you want to know that i suppose okay yeah i'm jim i'm introing you as you uh, have obviously worked out podcast land and then the person (laughs) that is trying to keep us all on on good form and make it an actual podcast episode and not just some rambling bollocks oh love it who's that i think it's mr leon hello leon (laughs) oh five out of five wait are we there yet oh we're not there yet great uh (laughs) hi it's me hi it's leon hello jim cakes hello podcast land Wow, showing your hand a bit early there, Mr. Leon, I think. Yeah. Interesting. I feel like a lot of people in podcast land might be agreeing with you, though. You know what? I'm an open book, dude. Um, I love <laughs> this serial. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. Let's face it. That's pretty great, right? Yeah. And we both We'd... finished watching it today, very, very recently. Yeah, like w- within the last few hours, we have both experienced the climax of this serial. Ayo. Um, oh, I am glad I wasn't the only one. <laughs> yeah, what a show. But I mean, so, that is sort of I to mean, say that by the fact that we're kind of 40, min- 40 years late, this is pretty much an instant reaction review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that that was phrase. Oh, that phrase means something else. This is just okay, us reviewing it 40 years late. <laughs> <laughs> All right, be that way. Anywho, like uh, we, we don't need to talk much more, I feel, about our top-level experiences. We obviously liked it. Shall mm. we just jump straight into a bite-sized chunk of who? Oh, please, let's. Time for us to synopsize, lerbify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Doc and Perry have arrived on Androzani Minor, but as they're about a billion years too late for the tide, they'll have to put any seaside plans on hold for now. A bit of bants and investigation on the surface quickly leads the TARDIS duo into the titular caves of that there Androzani. No need to bring a basket or a checkered cloth though, as we learn it's going to be no picnic down there, with human factions at war with each other, and a dragon-like creature happily munching on anyone who fails to outrun its stumpy legs. Why would the humans be waging a war near a dragon, I hear you? 
ask. For Spectrox, of course. Space guano that can be turned into the elixir of life. The raw stuff's a bit nasty, though, so one side has been using androids to gather it for processing. Unfortunately, Doc and Perry accidentally touched a load of the stuff before anyone told them. And, well, they're now slowly dying. Oops! And if that wasn't enough to deal with, we also have the Phantom of the Opera and Eldon Tyrell waiting in the wings to ruin everyone's fun. Peace cow over. Peace cow over. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> oh, aren't you just podcast land? <laughs> Holy moly. That is the greatest serial opener, I think, to date. Approximately 20 years of Doctor Who into the show. That's it. It doesn't get any better. <laughs> Job done. I'm, I'm going to find yeah. your... What did you send to me, actually, when you had watched the first episode? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. What, did I, what was my blurb? You, you said... You? Random dinosaur, Uzis, an old man with a ponytail. And that's just like the first five minutes. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. If that doesn't sell it, I don't know what does. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what about this cereal got you the hardest? <laughs> <laughs> I, happy to rephrase if you want. Uh, no, we don't have to rephrase. I would just okay. happily uh, ignore it and just carry on regardless, as I <laughs> most often do. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think actually probably the acting, or at least the delivery mm. from the bad guys. I, I felt almost in awe at moments with what they were letting them do in a Doctor Who serial. Yes. Just, I mean, in some ways... Like, even in a different mindset, I might have took this as a bit too hammy schlock and, you know, chewing the scenery type performances. But I feel How like... How dare you? <laughs> it was so... It was so it was close to the line that maybe maybe you could have interpreted it that way. But I totally, 100% sure. did not interpret it that way. I just edit all up. It was brilliant. Oh my god, I'm so incredibly in agreement with you. This I, I've also made countless notes about the, the acting on my side. Everyone is good. Absolutely everyone is not just good. Everyone is spectacular. Oh, maybe we should put a pin on that. Maybe with the exception of yeah, that is, there of is Perry, an exception. but that's yeah. Is it Perry? Oh, it is Perry. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's not just me. But, <laughs> but but I I I wonder if maybe that's also because her character is a little underwritten, so she doesn't really mm. or, or it's underwritten and it conforms to certain stereotypes. But everyone is spectacular, and it's interesting that you say from like the the acting from all the bad guys because who are the good guys? Well, I mean, true. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the main two bad guys, as it were. Right. Like, yeah. I, I wrote the B scale, so the, the the ones I dubbed Phantom of the Opera and Elgin yep. Tyrell from Blade Runner, for those that don't know. Um, right. Being, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I forget his nurse name, but Jack, Sarah, Sarah's Jack or something like that, being the Phantom of the Opera. And he is Salad Morgus. Jeff in my notes. Salad Jeff, nice. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Morgus being Dr. Eldon Tyrell from Blade Runner. He is either Bezos or Smorgasbord, in my notes. <laughs> Sorry, Morgasbord. <laughs> Morgasbord, yeah, okay. <laughs> and he was great. I mean, to be clear, I was never Morgasbord. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Actually, his performance more than anyone's, I found myself just kind of trying to absorb what he was doing. And, like, it didn't seem particularly hard. Like, it almost, 
his delivery was almost monotonous. I felt like it almost oh. felt like he wasn't wasn't kind of like acting dramatically, but everything he said was delivered with gravitas and like I don't know, punctuated really well. And I don't know, it just I was mesmerized every time he was speaking. Totally agree with you. Absolutely, uh, unequivocally. There's one single exception to the theatricality of his performance. I did not expect to, to bring this up so early in the recording, but uh, I'm betting you, holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes, this is the serial that Peter, Peter Zunich, the Zunmeister himself, mentions. Where, you know where, where Bezos just like turns to the camera willy-nilly and just like speaks to us, the audience, out of nowhere? That felt incredibly stage performy. Yes. I might have actually written down that as a negative because I... I don't like it when TV and film characters think out loud and it didn't feel like intentional it didn't feel like a um a directorial oh, uh, oh god that's a know. super like, interesting you know, observation and interestingly there is some trivia like i mean, oh, apologies really? podcast line. we're going really deep and really <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> niche <laughs> there's so much to get in this serial so apparently the actor john normington misunderstood a stage direction oh there isn't an online link to back it up this is purely from wikipedia and it's from a doctor who magazine back in 1999 but I'm, I'm really curious like what was the intention what was the stage direction and then they decided to keep it in like I don't I don't you that, know presumably oh. they felt like it was an interesting approach but then it was like but it stands no out as so different to the rest of the serial yeah I know like I mean I can't imagine there's many people that watch this and it didn't jump out to them that he's swiveling yeah, exactly. his chair and Wait, so this I is felt just like he wasn't talking choice. straight at camera he does it twice <laughs> Possibly even three times. Yeah, I didn't feel like he was talking like dead down the camera lens, but it was almost kind of like to the side of the camera as if as if he was kind of looking off into space and thinking deeply, but then talking at us. Yeah, coincidentally, the middle <laughs> distance is right next to my eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, That's it, so weird. It, There's a scene where like, I think right after the, at least the second bit where what's-his-face Bezos looks at the camera, or right off the camera, where we see Salad Jeff looking at his CCTV, and then he goes, oh, dag nabbit, they've uh, ambushed all of my troops or all of my androids or something, whatever he, he says. But he says that very much to himself, the same way that Bezos sell- says that to himself. But Salah Jeff just looks, you know, away from us and delivers that line. There is not that deliberate, I'm going to turn around, take a pause, inhale, exhale, deliver, you know, there's, there's not that intention behind it. Yeah, I, th- I think I know what you- Are you talking about something that happened earlier? Because I got a note from episode oh. one. Oh, I thought after, but maybe there are, there, there oh, okay. might also be multiple instances of... Th- there are a lot of occasions where Salah Jeff just checks out his CCTV. Yeah, he does. But the- so the note I've got is, like, uh, as a question, like, was, was he breaking the fourth wall? So I, the thing I've written down is he says, get rid of them, which I think he's talking about Doc and Perry at this point, and then literally turns to camera and says, says and we shall all feel a lot better oh i missed that one no sorry maybe i'm wrong maybe this is morgus because morgus board on a couple of occasions goes like holy (laughs) shit there are some outsiders here just get them killed like it's insane how prescient this episode is yeah so so yeah apologies apologies this is definitely morgus as well so so it's it's all him (laughs) 
So I, I guess maybe it's part of the same thing. It's part of the same misinterpretation of a direction, and they've decided to keep yeah. it all as it was done. But I wrote it down because I felt like, is this going to be something that was done as a, a nod to the fact that Davison's getting killed off in this serial? And, and it's and and then you see, oh my god, sorry, jumping all the way, <laughs> way to Dude, the go end, for it, go for like it, Colin Baker. <laughs> I mean, yeah. what's the thing that Colin Baker says is. Wait, let me let me get this quote. Perry asks what's happened, and the new Colin Baker doctor says, change, my dear, and it seems not a moment too soon. I mean, if this doesn't sound like they're almost kind of like ripping up the Davison era and saying we're going to start it all again, I don't know what else. Yeah, that's true. To, to interpret you, it. No, you're absolutely you know. right. I also reacted to that line, and I my instant thought was, this must be alluding to what the Colin Baker doctor is going to be like. Because I've only heard stories of how arrogant his doctor is. He's super full of himself and he's very mean to Perry. And I mm. wonder if this line kind of, it really sets the tone of, in his opinion, everything that came before him was a failure. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, we have one exchange between him and Perry. She stutters, I, I, I. And he yeah. says, that's three eyes in one breath makes you sound a rather egotistical young lady. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Christ. Love that. But then how weird is it that we go into the outro sequence, the, the credit sequence, Sequence, and we get we see his face. His face yeah. is right there in the end credits. It that's so unexpected. Rather than have Davison's faces, if anything, like just maybe pay a little bit of respect to the chap who's just died on screen. Yeah, the trivia also with that is that he's credited first. It's Colin <laughs> Baker as the Doctor, and then Davison as the Doctor. It's like I did the, not know. It's the that. first and only time it happens. I think they realized their mistake, and it's like. Yeah, we should have oh, probably... Oh, yikes, caramba. I mean, I yeah. feel really bad for Peter Davison in this case. It should also perhaps be noted that this entire serial is designed to kill Peter Davison. There oh, is yeah. not a single aspect of it that isn't to his detriment. He's freaking boned from every angle. Oh no, I'm allergic to this stuff. There's lava everywhere. People are shooting at me. Androids are throwing me off cliffs. Like, there's... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Okay. We've jumped around a lot. Is is there something you want to yeah. maybe come back to one of your starting questions that will ground us a bit? Oh my goodness. I've got, <laughs> I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven starting questions. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. In my notes. <laughs> okay. Here's an example. Do you reckon that in space or on other worlds, North means up? The reason I say... <laughs> There's a scene where Salad Jeff shows the CCTV footage to Peter Davison. And he's like, check okay. it out. I'm Salad Jeff. This is my CCTV. Fifth Doc goes, whoa, they've already sealed you up to the north. The north. But to clarify, this is a cross-section of the mine that they're looking at. It's sideways. We don't know where north is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I must admit the whole kind of seeing stuff on the monitor and the dialogue surrounding it. I imagined the scriptwriter had no idea what the effects department was going to be able to That's... do, and the effects department didn't have oh. any idea what the script was. <laughs> That is such a good reading of it. You're absolutely right. And in fact, that's a reading of it that I think can probably be applied to so many serials, even retroactively, <laughs> yeah. things that maybe we've taken a dump on that are entirely outside of the writer's purview. No, you're right. I think the only time it worked was when they had a aliens-like scene of the 
the android blips disappearing and he and salad jeff is talking to number four number four where are you number four and yeah where are you <laughs> okay shall we talk about salad jeff for a little bit sure i'm curious of what you think of him as a character his motivations everything like what is his deal what he's such a complex character approach him from any angle go jim cakes <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my initial perception was this guy's freaking awesome. Yeah. Nice. And then... Was it the mask or the fact that he's wearing I mean, literally top-to-bottom leather? <laughs> the whole shebang. I mean, the fact that it's all leather, the styling to go with it. It's not just a mask so all cool. in black. No, it's, it's a half white, half black thing with some stylized graphics going across. You know, it's not even just, I'm going to put this quadrant in white. No, it's I'm going to do this in white with a, a switch going through it as well and but yeah his delivery of dialogue as well i think was pretty awesome mm. like you know I, I said this earlier like those those two villains really stood out to me i think occasionally you know things lost their way a little bit but most of the time i felt like they were really menacing characters and regards to his motivation motivation is the only thing i think is maybe a little bit weak for that character otherwise oh, i really I want totally to talk about that with you actually yeah sorry i think you know but top level i was totally on board for the you know this guy who's been driven to revenge because his face has been melted and creates an army of androids to <laughs> wage yeah that's ridiculous though isn't it that, come on like, man. oh no yeah. i really like being pretty so i'm gonna wage this private war against uh, amazon that's a little bonkers Towards the end, we learned that he and Jeff Bezos were business partners. They go there, they're like, holy smokes, this is great. All the bat droppings allow you to live forever. We're going to create an industry around it. But then Jeff Bezos, in classic Jeff Bezos style, goes, screw you, buddy. <laughs> it's all about me. Leaves him for dead, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. When they went to that planet, were they both, in your mind, innocent businessmen? Or were they both evil? Evil Bezos-like individuals. Don't think I had an assumption at the time. Thinking about it now, I probably have an image of them, I mean, not as being good or bad, but as being people who weren't as, like, Morgus wasn't as rich as he is now. I assumed his wealth has come from this venture. That's Maybe true. Not, That's actually. a good point. I, no, I think um, so. I don't think that he was like, mm, I'm going to start by selling books, and then I'm going to sell <laughs> bad guano. <laughs> I, I, I think he goes there and just sells that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's probably the case. And then if that's the setup, then they were both there as maybe explorers, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to say. Sure. Where you don't have to be the villainous asshole billionaire character. You can be someone who's just a normalish person and maybe he's done some good things, maybe done some bad things, which I, I guess that's how they're sitting in my head. Do you, this is a <laughs> cave a do or cave a don't. Yeah. So do you. <laughs> scoop up a little bit of this alien bat's shit and run it through a lab to see if it has properties that enable you to live forever? Or do you carefully step around it as not to get any of it on your shoes? <laughs> well, isn't that the age-old question? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a Brian Connolly joke, you know, who oh, really? was the first person to milk a cow and what did they think they were doing at the time, you know? <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like someone you know, exploring another planet, I mean, you see it a million times in sci-fi films and what have you, like they, they analyze everything, like, 
you don't know that that I mean when Perry kind of fell into it I almost thought it was an egg that she'd put her foot into I thought like so it's too. Just, yeah it's a it's a thing in a cave like you go what's this let's get a sample oh shit it's burning my hand uh I don't know that's true so, yeah I no, think that is totally true they may not have even found the bats the first visit and yeah yeah at, at some point though we do have to then go from well that was a happy jaunt and they just stumbled into something that made them million slash billionaires whatever and then smorgasbord is quite happy being someone who just executes people pushes people yeah, that's down that's crazy bananas isn't it <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wait, hang on. We should glaze over the fact that Morgus Board just executes people. Because of his financial viability, he's able to wield some influence on society. He doesn't want anyone to find out, though. So he pushes the president down a lift shaft, and right after he kills the president, he says to, what's her face, Crow Timon, his, his like, assistant slash successor, <laughs> yeah. uh, he says... Mm, have the maintenance engineer shot. Yeah. But that presupposes that he has the the ability to legally have people killed. How does that work? They're quite happy. He's controlling the military force and they're quite happy to sh- shoot and execute people. I mean, it just seems to be part of the society. I guess he, he isn't controlling, but he's he's exerting his influence over them because he's That's a true. rich bastard and people do yeah. listen to rich bastards, unfortunately. That isn't fantasy. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, it, it's a more cavalier society than we're used to, that's for sure. And mm. they make a point about respecting how you would treat your ashes, not even respecting how you want to die or respecting how you want to be... Yeah, that's true. ...how your body should be dealt Wait, with that after is true. death. <laughs> it's just like, here's Wait, that's ashes. a super good point. Like, do what you want. <laughs> that's a super good point. They tell Doc and Perry, whatever you want, we'll do that with your ashes. But they never ask them what they want done with their ashes. No, I think... I think uh, maybe the response that they get from Perry or Doc kind of is a bit of a fuck you. I can't remember. <laughs> Wait, so the last words, when they say like, hey, do you have any last words? What they're expecting is the last words to be, so I would like you to spread my ashes on, you know, off this cliff or send them to P.O. Box 35781. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that seems weird. Maybe there was a there's a, a bit in between which we weren't privy to, but they, they would have gone and asked them because they, they weren't executed straight away. They would uh, Salatine, well, the Salatine Android, I guess, at this point. Yes. Um, oh, we got to talk about Androids, dude. About, it's about, so yeah. good. <laughs> Salatine, yeah, says that they, you know, have this ritual and then they lock them up. It's like, I, I felt like Salatine was kind of letting them in on a detail where he didn't have to tell them at that point. Then they're in captivity. Later on, uh. they get executed. Like, they're, they're taken from a prison cell or something to be executed. And I don't think we see any of that middle bit. So it's quite quite easy for someone to kind of go in while they're in prison or whatever and go, okay, you're going to be executed in an hour. What do you want us to do with your ashes? That's true. That's a super good point. And also, since the that is android sanatine it's possible that if he were human sanatine he would bring them paperwork and you know all that other jazz but because he's android sanatine and he knows that they are going to be rescued by salad jeff he's like oh, i'm not gonna bother with that it's fine yeah maybe actually that's a fair point mm. all right then what do you want to say about android oh my god everything i love them they're amazing <laughs> <laughs> 
Are you talking specifically about the human doppelgangers or the the more robot-looking android or, or both? Or, or, you know, come on. Yeah, I don't know, Jim Cakes. I don't view the world through that lens. Uh, to me, they all look the same. I love the concept of androids here in general. I don't understand why we have them. <laughs> like, I don't understand why one dude who almost got killed by magma mod has the resources to make an army of perfectly, you know, perfect android replicas. Why does he have the facilities to do that? I don't know. I don't care. I love it. I love the fact that we have two different kinds of them. They're very much like the... Did you watch Westworld? I haven't actually seen the film or the series. Oh, yeah. The series is better than the film. But I mean, watch the film as well. It's a classic. Don't watch Future World. And I don't know if there's a third one, but the Future World is pretty shit. The series is fantastic. And in the series, we have these perfect replicas, obviously, that look like humans. They're played by humans. And then there are also kind of drone bots that are obviously also played by humans, but they don't have a face. Like, they're just whatever. They're just blank androids. And that's exactly what we get here. And I love that we have that. I love that there are two different layers to the technology revealed in the serial. It's so... high-budget, clever sci-fi. It's excellent stuff. Yeah, I would agree with you. To your point about how does he do this, I mean, I don't know about Mm. the resources, but I think they try and explain it as, like, he's just a really smart guy. But also, Salad Jeff does say at one point, I was a doctor myself, but then the study of androids took over his life. And I think I interpreted that as, like, through necessity. Like, he gets stuck down in these caves. They need the androids to harvest the guano because it's deadly to humans. And, yeah, that's true. And then he then he's in revenge mode and realizes he can use the androids to infiltrate and subvert and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, true. I think there's a line from, oh, what's the guy called? Chelak, I think he is, like the kind of leader of the military bit. He's really surprised at like, the fact that there could have been a Salatine android that like fooled him. I think maybe he makes a mention oh, of yes. androids before that as well, but I, I, I got the feeling that Salad Jeff has been really honing his craft as it were and the androids have been getting better and better and you know he's obviously that's possible yeah maybe tried a human android before and it hasn't been very convincing and then there are the yeah i think i think maybe it's with the, the doc and perry ones actually that shellac is really surprised that they were androids and no one realized yeah poor shellac is is that his name Shal- yeah i've shellac, I didn't shellac. Really uh, who it. knows yeah shellfish shellac. Shellac. shellfish the poor shellfish his career is going down the drain. First, he has androids posing as Doc and Perry, and he's like, fiddle bum, I can't believe that I had two androids executed. No yeah. worries, says what's-his-face, Salatine, his assistant. He's like, don't worry about it, I'm the only one who knows, and everyone else in this room, but let's ignore them for a second. He's like, okay, fine, okay, cool, I'm not gonna get away, it's not gonna be a problem. Fast forward an episode and a half, we find out Salatine, who's been telling him all this shit, he was an android, he's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> fiddle bum, I can't believe that I've been working with a with a freaking androids doppelganger for what months plural people are gonna kill me for this (laughs) (laughs) poor guy (laughs) chap just wants to do a job isn't this one of those um fool me once moments because like yeah the second time is like twice for months yeah (laughs) 
yeah, maybe maybe I'm just a bit of a stupid fuck. Oops. <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't be a general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I've got one of those things where I can't tell faces apart, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Shellfish suffers from face blindness. There are so many factions in this serial. So we have Shell- Shellfish, Shellac, what, what, whatever his name is. He's pretty much just a one-room guy. Yeah. We already talked about Jeff Bezos, what's-his-face, Ponytail, uh, Morgusbord. We also have the Gunrunners. And we have... Oh my goodness, yeah. The Gunrunners who have like their own internal politics. There's a massive B-plot yeah. of the Gunrunners have internal strife, which I love. I, I did love that as well. Like... I mean, it's tropey as hell, but I feel like it was done really, really well. And that's another that's another guy, actually, another villain who I loved being a villain. Like, Oh, which when... one? Eric Stoltz or not Charles Bronson? <laughs> <laughs> not Charles Bronson. I mean, the, the, yeah, the leader guy, which is, is Stoltz, isn't it? Yeah, Stoltz? Stoltz, yeah. No. Stoltz or Stoltz, Stoltz, one of those uh, two. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. He... <laughs> I'm sorry. That whole mutiny scene, and then he's got the not Bronson on the cliff face at knife point, and then shoves a suicide Fuck, I pill. I forgot about that. Well, pres- presumably a suicide pill, like yes. no other context. But and that's it's insane. Like, this takes ten seconds, and he's what is he screaming at him to bite? He's like bite, bite. It's like <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is this is a family show, you know. <laughs> Yeah, no dice home slice. We're too busy force feeding each other cyanide capsules. Yeah. That's an incredible scene. I forgot about that scene. The way that those two characters are bookended is fast forward to part four. Eric Stoltz goes, bye, walks around the corner, then turns around, walks back into the room, and oozes the shit out of not Charles Bronson. Hell yeah. Who dies violently off screen. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible thing. Like, I think that's what's great about this serial, actually. There's a lot of little bits like that, which could have just left, been left out. Like, because mm. obviously we have a little bit of their interaction before the attempted mutiny. Yeah. And there's not a lot to say about that. And then obviously, because your kind of second in command has tried to basically enact a coup against you, their relationship is very yeah. frosty through most of the serial. And, you know... <laughs> Even though Stoltz has allowed him to live, not Bronson is still being an ass to him. He's still like questioning everything yeah. throughout the entire serial. And then it makes perfect sense that the character that almost fed him a cyanide capsule turns around at the end where they're basically deciding which side to be on, whether to bugger off and just take the meager winnings that they've got or go in for a bigger prize. And Stoltz goes for the bigger prize and the other gunrunners, which I think there's only two left alive at this point, yeah. decide to just take take their losses and yeah he's like fine whatever mate you go with that and then yeah the double double back and just like oh by the way eat lead Like, it didn't have to be there. Again, this is a family show, Jesus. Exactly. I mean, but you could it, very it happily omit so that good. entirely, and their conclusion is just like, oh, I guess they went their separate ways. We don't know what yeah. not Charles Bronson did. Maybe he exactly. got rich, maybe he didn't. Yeah, but that, that little bit of extra, I think, just, just makes it better, though. I'm, I'm so glad it's that's so better. much better. You're right. Absolutely. So much better. 
Okay, so that's the gun runners. How do you feel about the interaction? Maybe this isn't a super duper profound topic to broach necessarily, but Morgus Board suddenly goes, you know what? I'm going to go there in person. He speaks with everyone. And just in that moment, we find out that, oh, actually, now he's destitute. He has no money and everyone changes their demeanor around him. When his assistant, one assumes his assistant, his, uh, what's her her name? Trow, uh, no, Crow Trimmon, I think. Trimmon, yeah. I mean, I say Uh, assistant, she, she takes a bunch of orders from him he, he she's definitely her his junior so I when she's I, taken over all of amazon she's like fuck you buddy yeah i i mean there's so much to unpack in it like right. it's it's what a minute two minutes and then suddenly yeah yeah he's decided to go down to the planet um because things aren't quite going to plan and he needs to make sure he can get out what he wants to get out of it which i wasn't quite sure about that bit i felt like actually he had manipulated things quite well i mean he just murdered the president and looked like he was probably going to get away with it but i don't know he was worried that he wasn't going to get away with it and trying to come up with i mean it's crazy when he murders the president though (laughs) i mean it is pretty (laughs) pretty mad Why? I, do, I wait. Admit, why I, does he? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but why does he murder the president? Mostly because I, I don't know. I took it as just he's more powerful than I am. This shouldn't be the case. Maybe there was some more direct things happening. I wasn't quite sure. There was a lot of stuff said between him and the president, which I must admit I didn't fully process. I was. I think I was still writing some notes, and then a lot of dialogue <laughs> was happening, and I was just like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. No, I'm in the same situation. Yeah. So I probably I probably missed something quite important, but I mean, it was very obvious that relationship between those two wasn't very good like the president felt like morgus was trying to be more powerful than the president and the president is obviously more powerful than morgus and morgus wasn't happy with that and there was there was a line from the president saying something about morgus has set up this other kind of mining colony and oh yes yeah and now like resources are being sent from one to the other yeah and it's like some some scheme that morgus was doing that he thought the president didn't know and the president lets him know on and no uncertain terms that i know what the fuck you up to don't you bloody try and do that kind of shit with me like that's right um, yeah and then I, there was some dialogue about a mine cave-in or explosion or something like that and I, I wasn't sure if that was his like contingency mine got destroyed and then so is that, this the thing all, where he goes we're plan? gonna have a minute away from work no actually make it half a minute yes that moment indeed <laughs> that of all the horrible nastiness that that man is guilty of in this serial makes me think the most of Jeff Bezos crazy bananas i I mean there is unquestionably uh anti-capitalist sentiment throughout this serial um which is which is why i was kind of i think we've gone on about three tangents since then but i I was kind of alluding to that (laughs) earlier that the bit at the end felt like very anti-capitalist in that in that that quick change of like morgus was like worried that his plans had fallen apart he goes down to the planet or or to the other planet rather and then there's the the takeover from trimin timin uh whatever had name is but it, yeah. that's all okayed by the board and all this kind of stuff and it's like that yeah. feels very real of, of i mean unfortunately it doesn't happen as much as it should do that you know one person fucks up and everyone else goes well you shouldn't be running the company anymore and we're just gonna yeah. oust you normally they go you well, you shouldn't be running the company anymore and we're gonna give you millions upon millions of pounds there you go <laughs> whereas yeah this way felt more kind of cutthroat and, and in the environment they've set up from what morgus is doing it, you know is bang on the money for what would happen is like yeah why would they want to uh, attach themselves to this liability that's going around killing the president is like nope we'll wash our hands of you very quickly thank you very much and now she's that's right yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love that scene though when he murders the president 
it's fine. Uh, why don't you take your... There's a reference to his floater. Like, why don't you take your floater uh, round back or something? Which I assume is some sort of glider vehicle. Like, have your floater pick you up out back. Yeah. And then, ba-doom, open the doors down the lift shaft. Lovely. It, it looks like the guy in Robocop. What's his name? You know, the guy who falls down the Robocop. Dick Jones. I, Dick I, something, anyway. Vaguely recall the scene. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I wasn't expecting it. Like, I was expecting he was killing the president through some means. I, I assumed he was going to, like, go down to... I did uh, not. I can't believe that you did. That's in, that's You are so much more observant than I am. <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of laborious dialogue for him, like, going, oh, no, yeah, I'm worried about your safety. Uh, yeah, you should stop all your your public engagements. And in fact, you know, don't go out the front door. Go go around the back, my private oh, entrance. Um, you go out my private why don't entrance. Why you climb yeah. into my awkwardly sized private lift? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, who was the guy in the lift with him? You mean in the, uh, the standing too close to each other scene? Yeah. Oh, wait, maybe that was Trimmon. Was that Crow That, that was Trimmon, yeah. That was those two, which was, was my... I, I said this before we started recording. Half the reason I dubbed him Eldon Tyrell was because of that lift scene. It felt incredibly like homage to Blade Runner. <laughs> I don't remember that scene in Blade Runner where people stand too close to each other in a lift. <laughs> well, not necessarily too close to each other, but there's there's a very iconic lift going up the side of the Tyrell building where... Oh, I see. The, the, the dramatic lighting and, and stuff. I don't know. A lift features very prominently in my mental map of Blade Runner. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually maybe what? Sebastian and Batty are stood quite close to each other when Batty's going up to see Tyrell and basically... Who's Sebastian? Spoilers, Sebastian but- the guy the eye guy i've forgotten anyway that's a blade runner thing we don't have to worry about but he's he's the guy that <laughs> has a degenerative disease that artificially ages him and he has all the puppet friends i guy is the one that lives in the really cold or, or is like hanging out in the really cold place oh you're totally right who gets his eyes duh that guy i don't think he no that's what happens to I, these aren't just I mean, fart noises podcast land this is me i'm doing like uh, i'm showing something off on camera <laughs> <laughs> okay, what this is saying to me is, annoyingly, my memory of Blade Runner isn't good enough to correct you, but your memory of Blade Runner is terrible, so we should both rewatch Blade Runner. Subscribe to us on Blade Back When. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my Blade podcast. <laughs> we just talk Blade. <laughs> Not even the trilogy, just the first film. <laughs> Okay, okay. Do you want to take this in a different direction? We haven't talked about the dragony thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's talk about the dragony thing. What the hell's the dragony thing? <laughs> <laughs> Did I sell it well enough or what? Like it, it, maybe it's not the first 5 minutes, but certainly all of a sudden ad hoc dinosaur pops up out of nowhere. <laughs> Boom. Sold. If you didn't I mean, love the is, episode already, that should do it. It's quite uh, an introduction of, I think, what did I write? I wrote two seconds we get, well, I, I thought they were miners, and I guess they maybe were, but they yeah. end up being like the military people. But yeah, it's literally like two seconds of them walking around, and then boom, dragon. <laughs> Holy smokes, you're my friend who agrees with me. This is my, uh, what, fourth note of part one. Miners? Question mark. Why are they carrying automatic rifles question mark oh dinosaur that's why <laughs> yeah you're more and we don't see that me. dinosaur for ages 
I love it. I mean, it it doesn't even get like a name. I don't think it's just referred to as. I think like, it's the, the magma creature, creature? lava well, like, or magma yeah. creature. Mag. They they reference it as coming out of the magma, but is that its name? Oh, I don't, I don't know. know. You're right. I don't think that it has a an official name, but it's similar to a few other monsters that we've seen, or like not monsters. I don't want to be judgmental. Cool yeah. your boots, podcast <laughs> land. There are a few creatures out there that we've encountered uh, in the universe who are just called stuff like antimatter creature. Uh, magnetism monster i think i might have invented that one uh, you know <laughs> stuff like that where it's like that's that's not the name of this creature but that is the only way that they have been defined within the context of the serial we never find out what what they are i mean yeah. i guess technically there should be some sort of androzani saw you know or something like that i feel like what about the just, bats? i mean yeah the bat i mean just in general like this part of the serial i feel like was slightly underdeveloped and the fact that they couldn't be asked to give names to these creatures <laughs> was the strongest indication of how underdeveloped it was. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Androzani Minor. We've got a weird dinosaur creature. Don't know what it subsists on. Probably guano. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a queen bat. No other bat, just a queen bat. We get to see the queen bat asleep upside down for like, what, two seconds? Yeah. Did you also feel like there was a, a, a significant lack of bats in this serial? I mean, hell They're yeah. They're really I mean, set up. I mean, I through most of it other than the size of the thing that perry accidentally falls into was questioning yeah. are these like the normal size bats that we see or are they giant yeah but like, what she falls into is the size of like a human torso and that is to be clear a turd so <laughs> the size of the bat that produced it must be like exorbitant <laughs> yeah i mean you make a good point maybe they don't poop that often <laughs> <laughs> They're not willy-nilly poopers. They are, when necessary, poopers. Because <laughs> otherwise, I guess everyone would live forever in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's just kind of testament to how much they're trying to do in this serial. I feel like we could have just lived without the bats and the dinosaur. I think so too. Dragon, I think we could like, have lived without there needing to be any kind of milking of a bat. <laughs> because what we don't see off screen is Doc actually goes and milks the dormant queen bat. I think it's fair to say without her consent. And she, yeah, she and was asleep. There exactly. Was definitely no, How do you feel if someone you can't, just... You can't consent to tea when you're asleep. That doesn't make it okay. That does not, I'm not make it okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying the opposite. If anyone out there in podcast land is currently on the fence they're like hmm, maybe i could walk up and milk someone while they're asleep i'm sure that's fine no it's not and doc did that in this serial for clarity i don't know if this is getting lost in translation i am not saying it was okay i'm saying the opposite it was not okay <laughs> stop saying that it's okay jim <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> That's a super weird thing. That was almost like Luke Skywalker milking a whatever space cow thing to get blue milk. Kind of what the hell? Exactly what's why, what why did I see that as well? <laughs> in Star Wars, I kind of accepted it because we've seen people drink blue milk, and it's just well, that's what a space cow is like. It's fine, whatever. It's a bit weird, yeah, but it fits the universe they've created. This just felt like no. Why? Why are we doing this? The rest of the serial has nothing to do with this, really. Like it's just by the by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I think it would have made more sense to just have the guano be the thing that cures people. If the bat shit cures... Maybe let's pick some sort of ailment that's really extreme. Uh, I don't know, uh, death. <laughs> bat shit cures death. Should I milk a sleeping bat queen or should I take the cure for death? Yeah. Maybe take the cure for death. 
maybe do that. <laughs> I Wouldn't mean, that have made sense? Like he had a little bit of guano left. It's worth billions. Doc gives it to Perry. Perry survives. Done. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I had the same thought. My counter argument, though, for the sake of being go. the advocate of the devil, would be yeah. that maybe the elixir of life is just about anti-aging type things. Like, you can still die, obviously. People aren't just going to turn into immortals. Uh, but yeah. it's it's changing the cell decomposition stuff. So it's not going to it's not a cure all. Basically, it's more just a prolonging life or delaying aging. What was the Wachowski film? Uh, not the Matrix. The other one, uh, Jupiter Ascending. Did you ever watch Jupiter Ascending? I'm trying to think if I did. I think maybe I didn't because it had terrible reviews. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fair to say you dodged a bullet. It's terrible. But <laughs> in that one, it's also like, hmm, we're a super rich space family. What we do is we kill everyone on the planet. We turn them into this weird milk. We bathe in it and we continue living. And if we bathe in enough people, we live forever. You know, it just okay. keeps extending, pro- prolonging life. That's in the trailer. I haven't spoiled anything. So this is the same thing. It's just like a, it's a, if you, if you drink enough bad shit, you live forever. If you drink bad shit forever, you live forever. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, well, you know I, what? I don't know what I'm saying. I think they refer to it as doubling the lifetime of a human. Ah. That being said, when the president was like, Do you, would you believe that I'm 70? I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 1980s people age badly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry, President. <laughs> we didn't need the milking. We like if there was an antidote, it could have just been in the lab. I don't know if it had to be a laborious thing for the doc to go and get the antidote. Like it could have, it could have been a slight struggle for a different reason. He didn't have to be poorly superimposed on a matte painting crawling down a tunnel <laughs> at an angle. <laughs> I mean, you say poorly, I loved it. I absolutely okay. loved it. But I do agree I mean, that that, se- or that sequence is the most poorly fleshed out. Yeah, it just, I don't know. Because we know, we know that a lot of the time these scripts get massively altered and cut down and yeah. stuff. And so when there's something like that left in, I kind of question, mm, did you have something really good to do with that? Which seems a shame. But then this serial was one of them, like uh, a few of them have been, that was played with strikes. So they had to stop oh, really? production, I think, at some point. Um, that was also does something... not show in any aspect of it. No, definitely not. But there were. it actually says in the Wikipedia trivia that there were two specific sequences that had to be cut. One of which is an opening scene that explains oh. the doc had been collecting blown glass bottles, blown glass bottles, and it, they were made what? from sand of different planets. And he had lost his Andrazani bottle, which is why they go to Andrazani. And that's why there's oh. a conversation about glass on the beach. And so there, there are what? some kind of leftover bits from a, a scene that was cut. That yeah. is utterly redonk. <laughs> I'm entirely in favor of just going, oh, I thought we were going to a beach, but there's no water. Oh, I, we just missed it by a, a couple million years. Done. Done. Let's not focus on that. There's way too much going on in the serial already. Let's not talk about blowing 
glass bottles. Oh, yeah. yikes. I, I, I'm quite happy it's not there as well. Like, it, what we had yeah. was perfectly fine. Like, it, it was a slightly weird comment of Perry's that, you know, it was, is this class or something? But it was fine. Like I love that. And, I, f- I feel, felt like that was almost speaking in favor of all the techno babble in this episode, because that's like, it's not techno babble so much as genuine physics babble, where they're like, oh, I mean, this is sand, there's been heat, heat has been projected against it, oh, it's turned to glass, great, so now let's have a conversation about that. And the same kind of legitimacy is applied to utterly ridiculous shit that goes on in the caves, where they're like, oh, there's a natural phosphorescence on these cave walls, that's why we can see each other even though we're underground, or the other stuff surrounding the androids and surrounding the weird milk and the bat poop and everything. Like it, It's dealt with in exactly the same way as, I think someone landed here. This is probably where the jet was because the sand has turned, turned into glass. Love it. I thought yeah, it was no, great. You are absolutely right. I think I had forgotten the context. I didn't write notes about it. You are 100% right, and that scene is great. I actually love the introduction of this Boom. serial. Oh, because, yeah? yeah? How so? You get Perry being super excited about being on a new planet, which I'd forgotten. Mm. Like That's what we can get with a new companion. I feel like maybe we missed that with some of Davison's lot. I, well, we probably didn't get it with Turlo because he's an alien. I can't remember about the others. But then we have, yeah, we have Doc. Nissa, I think, was never detective. impressed about being on an alien planet. You think she was oh, or wasn't? Because I, d- I don't think she well. was. No, yeah, Adric as well. Like, they, they were all aliens. It would it would be up to Tegan, and I can't I can't recall what her first zero. I was think like, Tegan. I suspect Tegan. I can't remember, but I wonder if there was like just too much drama happening, and maybe maybe the next serial she was a bit more kind of impressed with stuff. Who knows? Well, someone. Yeah, maybe. Remember. I think in the beginning, <laughs> uh, I think in the beginning she was uh, that reaction should have occurred, but in Instead, it was substituted with like, oh, why am I not back home with my auntie? Like, th- There was that element of, I'm going to be late for my job working for Australian Airlines or whatever it was, you know. Yeah, quite possibly. So anyway, yeah, but in this serial, it was great to have that from Perry. And alongside mm. that, we have Doc doing what you just said, like Doc's working shit out and they're having a conversation about it. And yeah. they see that then they see some tracks leading away from it and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we even get a little bit of banter between them like perry's right. teasing teasing the doc and stuff and they've just met but they're already kind of making a relationship which felt natural and yeah it was a really good kind of start to a serial i felt so with that in mind i'm mindful that at the start of this episode recording this podcast recording you said or you agreed rather mm, maybe perry's acting wasn't top notch how do you feel about perry as a character i think I, at the start i was like yeah great this is this is a good companion we're feeling a relationship between her and the doctor we're feeling the excitement that you can get with a new companion experiencing strange new worlds and all that and then i feel like the writing let her down a bit through the Mm. rest of the serial pretty much and then the the bad acting that i particularly was paying attention to was when she was just like afraid of situations and then there was just this full stutter and i don't know if that was again like we've already yes yeah we've but we've we've heard through trivia that 
someone misinterpreted a stage instruction and that was let slide like the director decided no let's go with that let's go with you talking to the camera so i don't know if this is another one of those things where the director made a bad call and she could have done a different take and they went no no this is what we want perry to do i don't know yeah i i'm entirely in agreement with you i've added uh, the notes on my side she's always scared she's always speaking in a frightened vibrato there's always the like i don't know what to do do, doc yeah entirely unnecessarily and entirely unrealistically but i think that's not her fault i think that's direction i'm definitely prepared to believe that based on just this serial we'll see what happens going forward but because the rest of her performance was absolutely fine and particularly like interplay between her and doc i thought was great there was there was a scene where uh shellac has captured them and he tells i think he's talking just to doc at that point but he, he says you know and you call me sir at the end of you know whatever you're saying oh yeah and they both get an opportunity where the other one has said something so doc says something first and perry jumps in and says sir and then perry says some stuff and then doc jumps in (laughs) saying and sir of course you know and you know little interplays like that that were happening at the start and then i think someone just forgot what to do with perry and she became the object of phantom of the opera's obsession and that was pretty much it which was yeah i mean that's that's a big negative for this serial, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, she and Crow Trimmin are the only women in this entire serial. Yeah. Everyone else is either a human dude or a dinosaur. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we have the Bat Queen as well, but she gets no lines. Like, there's, it's a heavily male-dominated serial. Not the first time in Doctor Who, obviously. No. But then the fact that, what's his face, Salad Jeff, he has such lines, like super-duper creepy lines where he says, like, you'll be very comfortable here, my exquisite child. The sight of beauty oh, is so important to me, and now I can feast my eyes on your delicacy. That's super-duper creepy. Like, she is... Oh, yeah. In plot, she is objectified. The only no, reason 100%. she is important to what's-his-face Salah Jeff is that she is a beautiful woman. That's it. No yeah. other qualities need even enter his awareness. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, it's pure objectification. I think they maybe are trying to subvert it slightly by it kind of being like his lost beauty he sees in her sort of thing. Because he oh, does that's mention such a good point. Yes, you're right. He does mention yeah. things like that, but it's not good enough. It, yeah. it that doesn't brush it aside. If she had been a man, like just a, a beautiful looking man, I feel like you could have played that card way better. But I mean that. That line you just read about her, you know, a child. I mean, oh God, super creepo. <laughs> yeah, my exquisite child. The sight of beauty is so important to me. Yeah, cool your boots. That's not okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't I think mean... your your character has aged very well. But that is a super duper good observation of yours. That is very much about his insecurity towards his own lost beauty. He very much is. You know what? It's not just he. There is. You know the scene where who is it? It's not. Oh, I think it's the general pulls off his mask, sees his face, and like screams. It's like, fiddle bomb, I don't know what to do with myself. I am entirely out of control now because I've seen how ugly you are. That's ridiculous. Yes. I mean, that was like they're if in the middle of a fight. Easy... This this isn't just yeah. a an accidental. Oh, I've taken your mask off. Oh, it's made me jump. No, this is mid fight. It's like, holy crap, yeah. you're a monster. I can't possibly fight you anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
exactly. The guy's got an acne problem. And if people were so concerned by and affected by how they feel about other people's physical appearance, his best weapon is not manufacturing an army of spy androids. It's just literally taking off his mask and walking in public because no one will know what to do with themselves. <laughs> True. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, that is a weird part of this serial. I mean, it comes up a lot. I'm not sure if it's ever kind of nicely dealt with because the fact that someone is deformed, you know, we shouldn't be saying that person's a monster. I mean, of course not. It wouldn't slide today, that's for sure. And I mean, in 1984, things were different. And we know when we're reviewing Classic Who, we have to take things with a little bit of a pinch of salt and what have you. But yeah, th those two things together, like there is a character tormented, treated as monstrous because of a disfigurement of his face. And then yeah. an objectification of a woman as just, you know, like to balance that out and justify how someone would feel with that affliction. You know, uh, it's just, I mean, it, it literally is Phantom of the Opera to me. Like, I don't know the story Very that so, well, right. but it just felt like... Ugh. No, like I, I, I enjoyed watching it, which is obviously a weird thing to say. <laughs> like it's really creepo behavior and it's not the kind of thing that I would want someone to write today. That's for sure. But if they do, they need to clarify that there's an added element or like dimension to this character. Because one of the best things about this serial, I think, is that no one's really a good guy. Aside from, you know, Dog and Perry, they're good guys. But no one else is perfectly good. Everyone is a little shit. Like, minimum yeah. a little shit. Maximum incredibly shit. <laughs> and all three factions battling each other in this scenario outside of Doc and Perry, they all have moral and ethical faults. I think that's great. But you're absolutely right. If that were to be written today, like, they would be out and out massively publicly bad guys. They key would not be a sympathetic rebel. He would be another shithole character and that's definitely the way that it would... I, I myself, I find him very unsympathetic as a character in this serial. I think nowadays we have a little bit more sense about it and if we were to portray a character with those motivations, we would clarify that he has turned really horribly evil by his circumstances and that's why he yeah. objectifies her and that's why he wants to enslave people and that's why he's you know, dot dot dot. Yeah, I think you're right. You would have to give some backstory, give some progression to change the character and explain the change of the character or something like that, you mean? Yeah. Um, did you expect to see his face? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, really? I did not. Oh, amazing. So I in that case, were you were you pleasantly surprised? Or were you happy? Were you satisfied? When the character first appeared, I didn't expect to see his face. You know, he's covered in leather. I thought that's just who his character is. But then there was... Super there sexy. Was, oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, let's, let's, each let's to their own. <laughs> keep, it, keep it PGA. Um, <laughs> sure. You're too late for that, buddy. <laughs> But I think there was some dialogue fairly early on where it's established that he's wearing it because he's had something happen to his face. And as soon as that was yeah. said, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to see that at some point. When it finally happened, I think it was very different to what I expected. I think, I don't know if it, the, um, maybe the prosthetics were larger, like... I felt like he his wasn't the face I expected, almost. Like, when he has the gimp hmm. mask on, he has a very slender face, and it's quite long, and and then when you he saw the... He takes it off and he's kind of swollen. Yeah, and it looked more round. I don't know, I, I think that jumped out at me more than, like, the scarring on the face or whatever. It was just like, wait, that's not yeah. what I thought this actor looked like. <laughs> Interesting. I was convinced that we were going to see the face up until the point where he hides under a table. 
Oh, like, right, it, yeah. Deliberately looking away from the camera. And at that point, I was like, oh, my goodness, this serial is ingenious. We're not going to see his face. His face is going to be what's in the suitcase in, you know, in, in Pulp Fiction. Like, we will never know what it is, but we can speculate forever. When we do get to see his face, I was a little bit disappointed, I won't lie. It's like, this yeah. just a dude with some scars. Like, what's the big deal, man? I felt, yeah. I mean, seeing it after we've had the reaction from Shellfish was a bit of a double letdown, yeah. really. True, yeah. So one thing I feel like we should talk about, because I did actually read a, a trivia note about this, that there is intentional kind of change in direction in this. And we've already talked a bit oh. about direction stuff. But just like production mm-hmm. as a whole, like I definitely picked up on two things that felt different to me. One was a lot of the camera shots like stood out as like over the shoulder or interesting angles. And then the music, there was a lot of music in this. Some of it I wasn't sure about, but just in general, once I noticed it, I kind of felt like almost every scene had music and a lot of it was really dramatic to kind of like... Oh my God, I didn't think about the music at all. No, okay. Well, maybe I can say something. What did I miss, dude? I don't know. I, I noticed it a couple of times where like someone was saying a dramatic speech or something or well my note actually in episode one like towards the end is just very dramatic 80s music in this one brackets <laughs> third time i've noticed this already <laughs> didn't notice the didn't note down the, the first two times but you know at this point i was okay. kind of like right i should pay attention to this <laughs> um oh, I, I think i had a note about salad salad jeff at some point he's making some dramatic speech oh there you go creepy music with salad jeff talking about getting morgus's head congealed in its own evil blood like i feel like yes these these kind of very dramatic pieces which as i've already said i loved the betrayal that the actors were giving us were quite often like amplified by a very dramatic soundtrack as well Oh, that's super interesting. I, I mean, I'm, su- I would be completely prepared to rewatch this serial like tomorrow. And I, the next time I watch this, I will definitely keep an not an eye out but an ear out for the music because I, I totally missed it, and I'm absolutely certain you're right. The over the shoulder thing that you mentioned absolutely rings a bell for me. The, mm. There are, uh, yeah, there are a number of scenes. No, it, do you remember the one where, and maybe maybe this is even another bullet point in itself for production values, the holograms, like mm. the future phone, future Skype thing? There's a future Skype scene with the hologram, and we get an over-the-shoulder of the hologram. Yeah. It's it Jeff Bezos, um, a.k.a. what's-his-face, yeah. uh, Morgusboard, talking to General what's-his-face. To, to Shellfish, is it, at that point? I forget. Shellfish. That's right. Morgusboard Skypes Shellfish, and we get an <laughs> yeah. over-the-shoulder of Shellfish as a semi-transparent hologram. Yeah. I mean, that was good, but I don't think that was even the best bit. I think one of the first oh. showings of the hologram, Morgus Board walks around it. And it's yeah, oh shown my goodness, to be you're so just, right. it's projected like in the middle of the room. And he just, he goes yeah. and walks all around it. Like he's just striding around his desk. Like some people do while they're on the phone, you know, and yeah. yeah what do you think? That's amazing. What do you think Shellfish's experience of that Skype call is? Does he just go, uh, Morgusbord, you're, you're not, in, you're not in frame. Morgusbord, are you still there? Morgusbord, have I lost you? Oh, fuck. I think I lost Morgusbord. <laughs> <laughs> It's either that or it, it tracks in the whole way and you just see a, a kind of like walking animation as, as it's, it's still focused. <laughs> That's I'm demonstrating possible. this for Leon and it looks amazing. Obviously, Podcast Land, you can't see that. <laughs> I, it looks great on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, other yeah. things about production values that are amazing in this one. Uh, the miniatures. Holy moly, the miniatures look amazing. They look immense. They, wait, that's a bad word to use when talking about the miniatures. <laughs> they look they look incredible. They're so gorgeous. Uh, we also have fantastic matte paintings. Really beautiful matte paintings. You mentioned the one where there's, there's like a cross-section of the mine and the dock has been composited into it. There are shots where they involve cool colored gels so that we have different colors over the the screen there's a lot of smoke and steam there's yeah, some nice smoke. ones where they're they're backlit really beautiful scenes very intricate elaborate cinematography compared to what we normally get yeah because like the starting shots when they're above surface i felt like yeah. that was a location shoot i don't know if, if you felt the same i think so too but then yeah I there think was right. like the lighting felt different to the way they've recorded a lot of location stuff before it didn't feel as obviously Hmm. like in a quarry sort of thing um and then it had like a smoke effect i think it looked like kind of layered over the top which and is there a is oh maybe that isn't a location shot is there a matte painting behind them do you mean the uh, shot where the tardis lands i think when the tardis lands that might be different but then there was a there was a shot that i think i I, when i wrote my notes where they were maybe in front of more of a kind of sand dune background oh i see yeah that that felt real it wasn't a matte painting i think you're right but i don't know surely where where we get like shots of the mud avalanche thing surely that is on location that's like a that is a quarry yes, that they've somehow yeah, stylized to be whatever you know an alien world yeah oh, it's oh. oh my goodness it's such a oh i love this cereal <laughs> <laughs> can we change the scale this deserves more than five points <laughs> <laughs> oh Okay, here's another effect for you, another um, practical effect. The android point of view, and then it shows us the actual android, and this is the faceless android. This is the the android that just looks like a machine as opposed to a person. And we see there's like a weird light behind the camera portion of the android face. I'm not describing this very well, but it it just kind of twists, and it's almost as though it zooms in or something, it focuses in on it. Yes, exactly. And there's like a a cross-hatching going over across with like orange yellow lines or something like portraying yes a, yes exactly like absolutely it's, it's vision signal or something like that you know yeah yeah and there's something inside the mask that twists so they're, they're, yeah. they've built lights into the android masks and they're turning those lights oh yeah no that was really nice so arousing yeah like in some way like i love early 80s computer graphics but i couldn't help but feel unfortunately that they were by far like the worst part of this production was this this screen that they kept going back to which was just like four colors the shit is cctv yeah yeah four colors segmenting a, a display with some i mean i'm pretty sure i mean maybe not in 1984 but a couple of years afterwards i probably played computer games that you know you could get on your home computer that had better graphics than that and this is like a yeah you know <laughs> Not big budget, but uh, still, you know, budget that they had available that they can make, like you say, a rotating laser eye interface thing. I don't know, whatever. 
and they yeah, yeah. they gave us those computer graphics. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. you could have recreated that with some color filter over a screen projecting, and it would have looked better, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yes, I agree with you. Still does not detract from the quality of this serial for me. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm it's on totally board. minor thing. Totally on I board. Just, I, just, I just find it interesting that, yeah, computer graphics were the, the least good bit of the production. Yeah, you're right. Okay, before we move into what we agreed offline (laughs) is going to be the last thing that we discuss. I do have a question for you. Did you expect the doctor's celery stick to turn purple? Ooh, I mean, there are there were a few things in this that you could have put Chekhov's in front of. I felt, <laughs> I yes, I def- definitely felt like it was Chekhov's celery stick. It was Chekhov's belt plate. Yeah, I definitely felt like the celery was going to play a part because they had put dialogue in. I don't know if I felt it was going to turn purple, but yeah, that would have been nice. He says at the beginning, "I wear this because it reacts to certain chemicals that I'm allergic to in a particular way." It turns purple when I'm near this chemical that I am allergic to. And then at the end, he's subjected to a chemical that is about to kill him. It doesn't turn purple, but the celery instead is like a smelling salt. Yeah. Uh, and he says, oh, it has healing properties. Wait, 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 what? That's insane. That's like saying, oh, my thermometer controls the weather. That's that's not <laughs> how it works, you know? <laughs> Well, there's a kind of throwaway thing about the human olfactory system not being as good as Gallifreyans. And so for a Gallifreyan, it yeah. would have worked like a smelling salt. But I don't, yeah. Maybe, but I it mean, doesn't turn purple. No, it, it's weird to have two properties of the celery mentioned in the cereal <laughs> when yeah. it's barely been mentioned. In the last cereal to feature celery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, what is the last thing that we're talking about? Well, we brushed up against it before, but I feel like we haven't yeah. properly talked about the whole regeneration, the the end of Davidson. Right. Uh, I mean, we will do a retrospective, obviously, but, you know, in the yeah. context of this serial, he's gone. He, he got killed. What do we think? <laughs> I'm heartbroken. Heartbroken. Ooh, big word. He was fantastic. Oh, oh I, I'll get into some shiznit in a moment, but, I mean, at the start of this review, I think, maybe in the middle of this review, I did say, like, everything in this episode was designed to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> he runs into so many obstacles that are just there to kind of trip him, and when he dies at the end, it was yeah. I know. I was I was heartbroken. I want more Peter Davison. I'm not ready for him to go yet. Yeah, I I kind of like we were talking about with Turlo and Tegan as well. Like it feels that's right. It yeah, feels like it's happened to every single character in this era that they only wrote them a good serial on their exit or you know not quite that he's extreme he's had a few goods yeah he's been good but, a few times we have said like oh they finally figured him out but they I mean if they had figured him out at the very start I wouldn't feel like this because they yeah, figured him out way too late we're both saying like what the shit no well, let's have some more of that like reboot Re- reboot Peter Davis. exactly exactly like we get a hint of a good relationship between him and Perry who's only just appeared yeah. and yeah. we yeah we, we've been enjoying a slightly more well-rounded Davison character who is being allowed to have fun with stuff, um, isn't antagonizing his companions the whole time and, you know, things that we were seeing in 
in previous serials towards the start of Davison's run. So I, I totally agree with you. I feel like I, I do want more because I've liked what they've done with the more recent serials. But at the same time, I'm glad to move on because like with Turlo and to a lesser extent Tegan, it was too little too late. Like they've squandered the opportunity that they had with Davison, who was a, an amazing actor. And I think his portrayal yeah. of the Doctor was great. And we, we will talk more on this. But yeah, I, I feel like it was it was a good enough send off. It showed him, I think, for the Doctor that the Fifth Doctor ended up being, which was good. Do you think there's an element, this is probably something that we will bring up in the retrospective, but do you think there's an element of like, quit while you're ahead? You know, like they've really perfected the Fifth Doctor, quit yeah, at maybe. the apex of the Fifth Doctor? Quite possibly. I think mm. in, in that sense, it probably is a good time to kind of draw a line under this iteration. Whilst I... I th- I think it was slightly underplayed for me the the way he died because genuinely when we see the TARDIS again my brain just exploded with like fuck I've forgotten about the TARDIS I've forgotten that this is a character that can travel through time and space why have we been yeah. stuck in a cave all this time <laughs> and worrying about going to get a cure for stuff when the TARDIS is just sat there like there's probably a yeah. cure on the TARDIS for a start at the very least could go to a different planet for a cure or you know all this kind of stuff and now it is time to rate this did we love Ratings. High podcast land turns out uh, maybe because there was a massive delay on the VPN slash Zencaster front, I lost the uh, finger on tip of nose game. So I'm starting the uh, mini. Right, here we go. I'm going to keep it relatively brief. I'm going to try to anyway. Despite this serial doing its utmost to kill him, Peter Davison manages to somehow always deliver an, a tastefully understated performance. He is wonderful. You said it so perfectly before. We kind of They kind of finally figured him out just now. And I want to see this doctor forever. He's, he's perfect. Always dramatic, always reliable, always trustworthy. Love him. Perry, very much a damsel in distress in this episode. We didn't really talk about the element of, of her necessarily, but she's always in peril, always needs rescuing. But still, I think she is a terrific companion. There's a great setup of that rapport between her and the doctor, but all the more reason, I think, to feel tragedy in the context of Perry Brown, because at least to my understanding, she is not going to be treated well by Colin Baker's sixth doctor. I'm not a fan of that. Uh, so well done, Perry. Mm. There are so many foes to choose from in this episode. Salad Jeff is deliciously mad. Morgus Board, characteristically evil, for Bezos anyway. Uh, but I think he might be a little bit too ready to give up his entire fortune and all of his power, all of the, the influence that he wields. All of the soldiers and the gun runners utter B-words, hate all of them. Great! Fantastic cast. Production value mind-blowing shots with light and color gels and smoke and terrific props, the excellent costumes, the beautiful miniatures, the matte paintings, love all of it. Fantastic. I don't believe for a second that there was any problem with strikes and whatnot. Surely all of the BBC packed into this serial to make it the best one ever. Greatest asset, the infinite complexity of this serial, the multifaceted story, the across-the-board excellent acting, the cinematography, the props, the absolutely flipping everything of this serial and the biggest flaw wait what what biggest flaw i can't think of one no wait wait no i can't think of one <laughs> sound mixing on a few occasions was a little bit off but that might just be the the, the, the like the to the consumer post 1980s version of it 
there are a few occasions where I genuinely had to go to the transcription of this serial to understand what was going on. So thank you very much, Chakotea. But uh, otherwise, no, flawless. Maybe more bats. Uh, no, screw it. Flawless serial. Main <laughs> takeaway, I know this is a Dr. Exit, but I would a million percent recommend this serial to a Nuvian. <laughs> Coined it, trademark. In fact, might even show this serial to Cat fantastic cereal. I'm going to give it a rating of 785 bajillion out of five, rounded down to five out of five. Perfect. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I babbled. Um, I apologize. You, you, sure, you sure you want to round it down? You don't want to leave it at seven bajillion or <laughs> whatever it nope. was you said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy, happy to stay at just the uh, the five. Okay, <laughs> just the five, just the five is fine. <laughs> it messes up the website statistics otherwise. <laughs> Indeed. Well, good stuff. Thank you, Mister Leon. Mm. Pleasure. I think I Pleasure. I pretty much agree. There are some some mm. things that we slight slightly um, disagree with, but anyway, let's let's get through the things that I've written down and what my brain is going to fill in the gaps with. Yeah, my first point is the same thing of. Um, Perry and Doc they have some great chemistry early on I really enjoyed that I think you're right to point out though that then Perry turns into a damsel in distress and she's literally picked up and carried on multiple occasions by multiple people <laughs> that's from so this true. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's that's not cool but I, I also get what you're saying like she still comes across as a good character I, it's it's not the character that we would want necessarily all the time from a companion oh, not necessarily like definitely wouldn't want all the time from a companion we don't want a damsel and distress as a companion but in the context of 80s doctor who you accept that this happens from time to time whatever morgus and shara's jack amazing acting like so menacing so cutthroat in well not like so passionate from uh salad jeff side and so cutthroat and ruthless and just uh, business like you know pun intended from morgus board you know they they just that's right absolutely personify those those character traits and yeah throwing in the um, Stotts or whatever his name is from the the Gunrunner crew, like yeah, they're, they're all a little bit kind of tropey, but amazing performances. I was totally on board for all of that. Villains done to a T. Um, and in the same same barrel, like what you said earlier, Mr. Leon, of there's no like good guys. Everyone is not even necessarily grey, just like a, a very dark, murky grey to black. <laughs> like uh, yeah, if you're true. talking in those those coloured terms. And yeah, I was I was enjoying that very much. So as was I enjoying the production values. It, we talked about this. Like there's some I think really good lighting choices. We had these extra details of like, you you pointed out the Android eye lights that rotated around as a nice little close-up effect the smoke I, i've never i don't think i've ever kind of felt the need to point out smoke in pr a production before but i felt like it was just used really well which is a weird thing uh, but uh, yeah, hey there, there was one particular shot as well that i wrote down that i felt like i wanted to mention which was when you get this whole kind of shootout at the end and salad jeff is killing morgus and shoves him into some kind of laser beam or whatever and then he oh gets goodness. Shot yes. by Stoltz, Stoltz, whatever, 
and then the Salatine android appears and shoots Stoltz and then the android just kind of has obviously been damaged and has just stood holding the limp body of of Salad Jeff and we just kind of get a, a bit of a lingering shot and I think Doc is fleeing the scene and so maybe the camera angle shifts slightly but just this image of the Phantom of the Opera character being held aloft by the, like the savior android I don't know it was just oh, beautiful so true yeah. yeah it was just a particular mwah, moment of the serial i think from the production and the directorial side of things <laughs> yeah um there are lots of uh check off objects going on which i'm i'm kind of a, a bit of a sucker for these types of things i like it when it's not done too in your face and you just kind of pick up on something as like mm, i think that's going to come around again and i for the most part that satisfied me in this serial there are a couple of things that were they didn't kind of land the way they should have done the, the thing with the celery like you you mentioned this that it's meant to change color if it's a, a allergic thing and then no but what we actually get is it being used as a smelling salt or uh, yeah, it's just a bit weird that these two things are mentioned. Yeah, which is a slight letdown. Yeah, so I, I make think, up your mind, BBC. Yeah, exactly. I think there are, there are a lot of positives. I would definitely enjoyed the hell out of this serial. I'm not going to give it a perfect score, and the, the main thing <gasps> is that there are, unlike yourself, this is where we disagree. I think there are some problems. I think oh. the whole thing with the the magma monster, the giant bats, like it just mm-hmm. seemed unnecessary and it wasn't done very well either like floppy creatures aside like the 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 head of the the dragon magma monster was fine but when you saw it lumbering around it felt like that schlocky low budget doctor who which nothing else in the serial felt like and it just just it dragged me out of it a little bit and then we get this weird anticlimactic thing of doc going off to milk a bat and then it's breaking (laughs) up this <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. Like, and if if I say yeah. it like that, it sounds ludicrous. <laughs> Dude, listen to yourself. That is a perfect serial. R- <laughs> <laughs> But this is breaking up the tension of the dramatic payoff for this iteration of the Doctor, where he's going to great lengths to save the woman that he's taken along under his protection. You know, he's he's showing her the universe and all the time and space, and it feels like her literally her life is in his hands. He has to do everything to save her, and what he's actually doing is going to milk a bat. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> like it just it just it felt like there were there are a couple of things that just took me out of it, and I. I I just couldn't put them aside. Like sometimes you can just go, I don't care. I'm enjoying the hell out of myself. I, I will give this a five, no matter what they do. You know, if they if they step on my rabbit, you know, I'm still going to give it a five. But in this one, <laughs> yeah. I noticed them stepping on the rabbit and it was just, Argh. so I couldn't quite go all the way. I, I actually, I did originally write a 4.9, then I dropped it down to a 4.7 oh. and then just, what? kept kind of just there were too many things just like i can i can think (laughs) negatively about this serial in a lot of different ways so i have to just kind of like settle it a little bit more it's not city of death where i just enjoyed the fuck out of it and i don't care anymore it's just no disagrees (laughs) (laughs) i'm just rambling anyway the number i've finally got is 4.5 what you're frozen on my screen right now so i can't tell if you're joking <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I'm almost regretting it immediately. Um, I've seen some of the like I gave Earthshock like a stupidly high, almost five, 
uh, the Armageddon factor, I think I gave 4.9. Like, those are I don't great. remember those in enough detail to know if that is, <laughs> like, correct, if they are better than this. But uh-huh. it's how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> fair, totally fair. It's a great. It's a great rating. Four point five is a really solid rating. It's not it's like a five, an incredibly it? successful oh, serial of Doctor <laughs> Who. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. We know it's a beloved serial. Shall we find out? Yeah. Just how beloved Podcast Land thinks this is. Before we jump into Podcast Land reviews, can I just uh, <laughs> point something out, which is it's somewhere lost in my notes. But since you mentioned in your mini that like oh, he he milks the bad and he saves her, yada, yada, yada. Did you also think at the end, like, there's probably some life-saving juice in that vial. <laughs> like, wouldn't you just, like, shove your finger in there, rub it around, and, and then, you know, lick it or suck it, and then, like, put it back in the vial? Like, maybe there are a few more drops of life-saving bat milk in there. Yeah. I mean, we didn't... What yeah. a waste. I mean, we didn't talk about this at all. Like, this is the best antidote... That- I've ever seen. You just swig it and then suddenly you're 100% like cured. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, tiny, tiny drop probably would be good enough. Just to like, yeah, exactly. put a bit of water in it, swell it around, <laughs> knock it back. He doesn't know how much to pour into her gob. Maybe divvy it in two. Maybe both yeah. of you have half of it. <laughs> right, let's let's do it. Let's start it off, man. This love is now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max to 50 or it would get out of hand. Hello, you're back with us after that little ditty with the Listener Minis section of this podcast episode, you lucky people. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this time around, as you might expect for a serial of this magnitude, we have got not 9, not 10, not 11, not 12, but 13 listener minis. <gasps> Say so what? We, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. unfortunately can't read all of those. It would take us far too long. And it's yeah. already uh, 25 past midnight where I am in Berlin. And that's right. We have recorded well over two hours. So this time we're going to do a little bit of a more severe take on the read a few, truncate a few. And we're just going to get three, I think we decided in full, yeah. Mr. Leon. That's right. And then the rest of you, we're just going to give you a little shout outs. So we're going to tell you who the person is, what their score is, and then how you can battle them on Twitter if you so wish to. <laughs> That's right. Or Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And we're obviously going to put everything in its full splendor on the website. By the way, in case anyone uh, thinks otherwise we're now i believe entirely up to date on the website with as far as listener minis are concerned so yeah sorry in advance to anyone we've truncated fret not all of your work your wonderful wonderful work is available on whoback1.com and everyone who isn't you should absolutely go there and read it of course they'd be foolish not to so with that out of the way first one we are reading out in full i mean we had to this time around we had to uh, because there was no question about it yeah it's Neil of uh, Neil Andrazani. Andrazani. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Neil. <laughs> Hello, Neil. I wonder oh if you're going to enjoy this Neil one. Has been... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh my goodness, Neil's been waiting for this serial since forever. <laughs> <laughs> 
and you don't have to wait long to realise because Neil starts with a great deal of fans cite caves as their favourite classic and I'm one of them <laughs> you don't say Neil <laughs> <laughs> would never have guessed it <laughs> the script is incredible I believe every aspect and motivation of every character Holmes creates a torrid hate triangle between Jack Morgus and Shellac that is simply wonderful everyone's a villain and the grit and violence are palpable Morgus is a poisonous bastard and his Shakespearean asides to camera shouldn't work but they do because the actor is so strong Shara's Jack is a tragic character and is absolutely electric to watch there's a pace and a flair to the direction that leaps from the screen says Neil Androzani the cliffhangers are superb but the score is unsettling and pretty much everyone dies yes the magma creature is a bit shit and Morgus controls his empire with an 80s TV remote control but I really don't mind because this is a joyous example of acting, writing, and direction all complementing each other. And it's so damn exciting. Mm, finally, concludes Neil, we have an outstanding performance from Peter Davison who goes out on such a high. The cliffhanger to episode three is pure drama. He sells it completely. The doc is vulnerable and helpless from the word go, but his heroism never falters. All he wants to do is save the life of Perry at any cost because it's the right thing to do. His whole character comes down to the simple task and it's so powerful. Plus, I'll always find it funny that his final ever word is Adric. <laughs> I hadn't picked up on that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's tragic. <laughs> so, are we surprised at this rating, Leon? No, not at all. Neil gives this an incredibly appropriate rating of a 5.0 out of 5. Amazing, amazing rating, Neil. And congratulations on <laughs> reaching the Caves of Androzani, the review. <laughs> Really good stuff. Thank you, Neil. Those of you that would like to follow Neil on Twitter can do so at Neil Androzani. That's right. And those of you who prefer the Graham can go to Neil James Actor, all in one word, for your convenience. Thanks, Looking Neil. forward to the James Actor serial. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> ah, who's next? Why? It's a lot of who, in fact. It's a company of who, but in this guy's, it's Brent Johnson. What a Brent! Who, who, Hello, who, Brent. Brent. Is this fellow who caster who I believe qualifies as a <gasps> new, new reviewer? Hello, <laughs> Brent. Welcome and aboard. No. Yes. Holy smokeroos and cheesecakes. That's right. On this here temporal road. What does Brent say, Jim Cakes? Brent says, Hey guys. Hey Brent. I'm hey, currently catching up on the podcast with the Rebus operation, but I thought I'd leave a mini for Androzani. Good job, nice. because we're about to read it. This was my second ever regeneration and a damn near perfect story. Features some mm. of the best cliffhangers in Who history and fantastic acting by Davison and Christopher Gable, who I believe is... Salad Jeff. Oh, is he? Let's put a pin in him, because I want to know what else Christopher Gable has done in that case. It is Salad Jeff. Pin, 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 pin. Uh, Brent continues slash concludes, how awesome would it have been to have David Bowie as Shiraz Jack? So weird to read that not as anything other than Salad Jeff. As originally <laughs> planned. As originally planned? David Bowie? I had no idea, Brent. This is blowing my mind. My only beefs, says Brent, the Shakespearean asides to the camera by 
Morgus and the subpar acting of Perry, but none of that deters my rating of a solid 5.0. Yikes, caramba! Wowzers. Wowzers, wowzers in my trousers. Great stuff, Brent. Big, big heart you've got there. And huge heart. Thank you very much for your mini. Well, I mean, personally, I would say appropriately sized heart, but sure, Jim Cakes. (laughs) I mean, I'm drawing attention because Brent says that he can leave the bad acting aside. Like, that, that's accepting that there are some faults, but my big heart is going to go and give it a five anyway. That was my point. Nice. Very nice. Mm. Yeah. Oh, good save. People <laughs> who aren't Brent, what what can they do with themselves, Mr. Leon? Oh, my goodness. I can think of at least uh, four things they can do. Number one, they should follow WhoMan234 at WhoMan234 on Twitter. And Who and Company on Twitter. That's right. They should also most definitely go and listen to the Who and Company podcast. Hell yeah. And last but not least, maybe they should specifically check out the episode that I guested on. Thank you very much, Brent! (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Thank you, Brent. Who's next? Why? It's none other than Andy Parkinson. What up, Andy? Hello there, Andy. (laughs) Always feel like we have to apologize after introing you. (laughs) I'm sorry, Andy. And he starts, Caves is a complex story involving corporate greed that certainly resonates even today with a side of Phantom of the Opera thrown in. Indeed it is. Mm. And then Andy has given us some likes. First being, the whole cast do an excellent job. It's Davison's best outing as the Doctor. Nicola mm. Bryant is fabulous as Perry, especially in her interactions with Shara's Jack, who is excellently played by Christopher Gable, giving true tortured believability to his phantom. John Normington gives Morgus just the right amount of corporate bastardy, and Maurice <laughs> Roves, I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly, plays I love Dot. how you pronounce that regardless. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderfully as a gritty, murderous mercenary. I mean, that's a big Next. like there you made me read out there, Andy. <laughs> that's a solid like. Oh my goodness, that's like three for the price of one. Uh, next like, the cliffhangers, especially episodes one and three. Next like, the androids look great. Dang right, they do all of them. <laughs> and last like... Timin betraying Morgus. Yes, that was so delicious. Uh, yeah, I think that is worth oh, singling out. It, it felt like yeah. it came out of nowhere and it was the thing that we didn't realize we needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Andy does have a few boobs. First one being that controller that Morgus has. It's a TV remote control. Could they not afford <laughs> to make a prop? You can see the volume, color and brightness buttons for goodness sake. I need to look this up. I don't remember this at all. I didn't spot it either. (laughs) This is the second person (laughs) who mentioned it. I didn't notice it at all. (laughs) Next. That magma beast. For the love of God, why do we need yet another awfully realized monster? I don't know what you're talking about, Andy, because that was great. (laughs) (laughs) I do know what you're talking about, Andy. The last. Morgus breaking the fourth wall. Why only him? It totally takes me out of the moment. (laughs) Everyone has extreme opinions about that one scene, and everyone's opinion is extreme in a different way. I love it. 
Andy adds, Post likes and the Caves of Androzani is often lauded as one of the best stories in all of Classic Who. However, it's one I've never particularly enjoyed. After a couple of rewatches for this review, I might have to change that opinion. Yes! <laughs> it's well acted, says Andy, and the sets and locations generally work well. The story ticks along nicely, and you can see the excellence of Robert Holmes's writing. And so Andy says, I award this 4.5 unseen scenes of the Doctor Milking a queen bat out of five. <laughs> oh, yum. <laughs> Very good rating, Andy, I must say. <laughs> yeah, super solid. <laughs> People who are not Andy, do yourselves a favor. Improve your quality of life by following Andy on Twitter. He can be found at... Caffrey's... What, Leon? 71. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Andy. And you're Great welcome, podcast lad. Work. <laughs> okay, <laughs> those are the only ones that we're going to read out. The rest of them, which with still ten of them to go, we are just yeah. going to name who they are yeah. and a rating and where you can find these people on Twitter. So, right. first one we've got is Stephen. Stephen from Canada. From Canada. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Stephen had some great things to say, but just in terms of rating, it says this story, much deservedly, earns five kilos out of five. If I could, I'd rate it higher, but that's not how fractions work. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much, Stephen. Sorry, we've truncated. People who are not Stephen, follow Stephen from Canada on Twitter. He can be found at S Andreachen. And read as many in its full splendor online. Of course. Next, Thanks, we have Kieran <gasps> Evans. Kieran Evans! Hello, Kieran. What does Kieran say in terms of the rating then, Mr. Leon? Holy smokes, Kieran says it is so good, and Kieran gives this. Five out of five. Adding, feels different this time. Oh, solid rating from a solid dude. Thank you very much, Kieran Evans. Thank you, Kieran. If you want to follow Kieran on Twitter, or if you just got some electric van needs, you can go to at KJ Evans 2. That's two, the number. Thank you very much, Kieran. Who's next? Why, it's Ed Corbet. It's Ed Corbet or Ed Corbett. It's one of those. That's right, it's Ed. Hello, Ed. Hello, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Ed is also succinct and high with the rating with saying one of the best classic Who stories ever. 4.8 out of 5. 4.8. This is possibly the most universally loved serial to date. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, it's not, not controversial in the slightest. Just everyone high school. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Ed. Thank you, Ed. Next up, we've got Kristaps Paddock. Who's that? That's right, it's Kristaps Paddock. Who's that? Kristaps Paddock. <laughs> Hello, Kristaps. <laughs> That's right. Hello, Kristaps. Kristaps says a whole bunch of stuff, and then he concludes with, it earns a full five melty face villains out of five. Solid rating system from a solid dude. Exactly. Yes, great stuff. Thank you, Kristaps. Uh, if you want to learn more about who was considered for this, uh, for the character of Salad Jeff, read Kristaps' mini on the website. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much, Kristaps. Who's next? Please, sir, can I have Derek Moore? Uh, of course, but you'll have to go to whobackwhen.com because we're just reading out the rating <laughs> bit, which says... 
Six out of five. Okay, oh five out of five, if being strict. Desperate, okay, delightful, fine. departing doctors. To quote no. my favorite Whovians and podcast, Maceballs. Yes! Uh, I think that's <laughs> us, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely you. <laughs> <laughs> It's in plural. Uh, <laughs> Derek, thank you so much. That, oh, that's oh, oh, so touching. Uh, head on over to whobagwen.com, podcast land, read this in its full splendor. Thank you very much, Derek. Who's next? Boom, boom, boom. Caleb from Australia. Caleb from Australia. <laughs> Uh, what does Caleb say? <laughs> Holy smokes. Caleb from Australia says this is a solid five out of five. That's bloody super duper crazy correct, Caleb. Oh, I feel really bad for reading so incredibly little of your spiffing mini. Yikes, caramba. Solid rating in yep. so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Thank you very much, Caleb. Um, Who's next? It's none other than G.P. Haynes. G.P. I say G, you say P. G. P. G. P. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) What does G.P. say? G.P. says, rating-wise, 4.1 Queen Milk Bats. Ooh, controversial statement, G.P. Controversial. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, that's super duper crazy, yeah. crazy solids, and a re- I mean, like a really, really good mini. Uh, sorry, we didn't read it in its full splendor. Podcast Lamb, read this one now. What are you waiting for? Read it. He did finish with overall somewhat flawed, but Davison is fantastic. So someone who couldn't look past the flaws, like like a couple of the others, including myself. There we go. Thank you, GP. Thank you very much. Next. Who's next? Uh, ooh, it's that Zoonmeister himself, Peter Zoonich. Hey, Peter. Hello, Peter. Peter says a whole bunch of absolutely incredible stuff. And may I remind you, this is also the dude who pointed out aeons, aeons ago that at some point someone would look straight into the camera and do something that people would either love or hate. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to clarify, I think we know where Peter Zunich stands because he's called this a perfect creation and given it a rating of 99.7 out of 5. Wowzers. I mean, wowzers, wowzers, where are my trousers? Probably have to scale it down a little bit, but we get your point, Peter. (laughs) I think Peter liked this one. Nice one. Uh, thank you very much much, Peter Peter. moving on penultimate one we have is from Tan's Six Fingers what up Tan's Six Fingers aka Ben O'Neill Tan's gives this a rating of 4.6 out of 5 nice Tan's also points Uh out that this is the third serial this season where nearly everybody dies with just Timmin and I guess Perry coming out alive because even the Doctor regenerates good observations Hands. Yeah, that's right. But it didn't feel anywhere near as violent to me. I mean, there's like crazy amounts of violence in this one, but it didn't feel quite so violent to me. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but still, there are crazy amounts of violence. <laughs> oh, definitely. People who are not Tan's f- Six Fingers, please follow Tan's Six Fingers. Follow all of his fingers on Twitter and Insta, respectively. Either Tan's Six Fingers, the number, or Tan's Six Fingers, the word. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, the, the first one's Twitter, the last one's Instagram. You know it. You've listened to this yeah, before. Yeah, people understand the internet. Yes, yeah, exactly. Thanks, Tans. Who's last? last? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <Why? laughs> 
it's Tracy from America. America. <laughs> I, I had to jump a word there because I think the, the weird lag caught up with me. Hello, Tracy. <laughs> sorry, I totally, <laughs> totally bunged up that theme song. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sure the delay has ruined it enough for us. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, hello, hello, Tracy. Tracy. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, we're skipping over your, your review as well. Everyone needs to go to whobackwhen.com and read it in its full splendor. We just get left with the usual Tracy sentiment of a rating. Then I eat the celery, I think. Which I think very neatly sums it up. It's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People of Podcast Land who are not Tracy, head on over to whobackwhen.com, read Tracy's mini in its, in its full splendor, and say hi to Tracy on. Online. She can be found at Yet That's Fountain Tracy backwards almost. Indeed. Thank you, Tracy. And thank you, everyone, for sending in your awesome minis. That's right. Yeah. Stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that's it. Oh, my goodness. That was the caves of Androzani. Androzani. Oh but of course, Doctor Who has not just stopped. We are not going to stop this podcast. So there are what? further things to follow. Uh, Good news. in New Who channel, there will be a follow-up to the Jodie Whittaker storyline in... <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> Arachnids <laughs> in the UK is the next podcast episode. That's what I'm saying. That's right. <laughs> Famously excellent, well-written, well-acted episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bullshit. <laughs> and then yeah classic land obviously the davison well, is we no are more. going to uh, yeah well it's the first of the six doctor serials it's going to be the twin dilemma and we're going to have a guest reviewer on that one exciting very exciting Ooh, exciting at some point we're going to do an audio who as well who what's that going to be about dude it's apparently called the gathering i mean that could be Damn like right it's called the <laughs> gathering it's going to be crazy bananas and then bonus, well, we've got the fifth Doctor retrospective to get into it at some point. That's right. Oh, oh, I'm now I'm feeling heartbroken again. Oh, Aww. Peter Davison, you left us too soon. Oh, well, if people want to comfort Leon's heart, where can they find you on Twitter? Oh my God, that's the best segue I've ever heard. Uh, people <laughs> of Podcast Land, please say hi to me online. I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. High five me. I will high five you right back. But what about you, Jim Cakes? Where, where can you be found? Well, my heart doesn't mean mending quite so much but uh, by all means you can find me on twitter at jimmy the who that is excellent branding <laughs> isn't it just it is it's like i did Absolutely it on is. <laughs> <laughs> well that wraps it up then you've been a wonderful podcast listening audience as you always are oh my goodness oh, give yes. yourself a nice little clap on the back no not that hard that's ridiculous just a li- little 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 tap on the back very yeah. good very uh good. maybe move your hand up a little bit that's an appropriate podcast land <laughs> Until the next time, uh, all I can say is see ya. Be right next to each other. Cha ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers. Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at whobackwhen. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?